Well, good morning, friends. Good to be with you here today in person and online. Today, we are going to be talking about a very important biblical character. His name is Moses. And before I get started, I want to share with you a little story about Moses that you won't find in Scripture. You see, Moses and Jesus were out golfing. (laughs) Moses was caddying for Jesus, and they came up to a Par three, a short one, and Jesus looks to Moses and says, Jesus, Moses looks, Jesus looks to Moses and says, Moses, which club do you think I should use on this hole? Moses says, Well, you know, Arnold Palmer would use a nine iron on this hole, but I think you should use a seven iron. Jesus looks at Moses and says, Hey, if Arnold Palmer can hit a nine iron, I can hit a nine iron. Steps up, hits the ball right into a pond. There it ball sits. So Moses has to run out there, parts the water. Goes down, gets the ball, brings it back to Jesus, says, all right, now are you going to take my advice and hit the seven iron? And Jesus says, no, no, no. Arnold Palmer can hit a nine iron. I can hit a nine iron. Steps up, hits it again, drops it right back into that same pond. Moses goes out again, parts the water, picks up the ball, brings it back, and says to Jesus, look, if you're not going to take my advice this time, you can get the ball yourself. Jesus says, hey, if Arnold Palmer can hit a nine iron, I can hit a nine iron. Steps up, hits the ball a third time, and drops it right back in the water for a third time. This time, Jesus walks out there and, of course, walks on the water. And as he's walking on the water, a few other golfers come up and join Moses in the tee box and look to him and say, Hey, hey, that guy out there, who does he think he is, Jesus walking on the water? Moses says, No, he thinks he's Arnold Palmer. I just had to start with something that I thought was humorous today. (laughs) Moses. Moses is a complicated character, and he's the one that we're diving into today as we continue on in our sermon series, Represent. We've been going through a list of biblical characters, a pretty extensive list. Abraham, Gideon, Esther, David, Jesus himself, and here we come to Moses. You just can't leave Moses off the list when you're talking about representing God. Because nobody was called to represent God in the way that Moses was. That's where we're going to turn our focus today. Moses is a central figure in the Bible. As a matter of fact, the five books of the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible as they're called, are attributed to Moses as having written them. And four of those five books are all about Moses. Moses is in the story from Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. It's all about that character, and Moses' character continues on throughout the Scriptures. As a matter of fact, his character is referenced more in the New Testament than any other Old Testament biblical character. Moses is big, and Moses represented God in multiple ways. I just want to touch on a couple of them here right now. Moses represented God as God's mouthpiece. He was a prophet. He was the one who was called to speak for God to God's people. And even in that, he was not the greatest pick for that, at least in his own estimation. You see, Moses didn't speak well. He wasn't a good public speaker. We don't know exactly what it was that was his challenge, but he repeats it a number of times that I'm just not the one for this job, but God insists that Moses be the one to be his spokesperson, so he brings his brother Aaron along to help out. So God speaks to Moses, Moses speaks to Aaron, Aaron speaks to the people. But nonetheless, Moses is the one who's called to be that mouthpiece for God. Important, very important. But Moses is also the lawgiver. 
We know the story, if you don't, you can read it throughout Exodus, but there's the story of, of them being on Mount Sinai and the, the Ten Commandments being given to Moses, who then shares those commandments with the people. But it doesn't end there. As you go through Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy, you discover that there were a lot of other laws. After all, there were 40 years that Israel spent out there in the wilderness Many, many other laws and procedures that Moses is responsible for sharing with God's people so that they more fully understand what it is that God is asking them to do and to be. Moses, the lawgiver. Moses was also a leader and a shepherd. He was called to lead God's people through the wilderness, out of Egypt, and right up to the promised land to care for God's people to shepherd them, lead them, and guide them. All important roles, all important representations of God and God's heart. But there's another one, and this is the one I want to focus on this morning as we talk about Moses, and that's Moses the liberator. Moses the liberator. If you don't know the story, the story goes simply like this. God's people, Israel, were stuck in Egypt for over 400 years, and they had become slaves and in bondage to the Egyptian pharaoh. And as they were there, stuck in that place, God calls Moses to lead his people out from Egypt, to speak directly to Pharaoh and say, let my people go in God's stead. And that's what happens. And that journey out of Egypt becomes the central narrative for the Jewish people, as it still is today. It is the story that is referenced again and again and again and again. As a matter of fact, over 80 times in the scriptures, you will hear referenced, remember that I am the God who led you out of Egypt, or something similar to that. The message is repeated again and again and again, being reminded to remember God's deliverance from bondage and slavery in Egypt. Why is this so important? Because when times are rough, people forget God's promises and they want to go back to Egypt. We hear this again and again all throughout the Old Testament. Why does God have to keep reminding his people? Because his people keep drifting away from his promises. His people keep deliberately disobeying his commands and the desires of God's heart, which is for good for them. The promise of God simply was to pull them out of Egypt, but then also to bring them into the promised land. You can't get a bigger promise than that. And it represents the whole promise of God to his people. I will take you out from your slavery and your bondage, and I will bring you in to a beautiful place. I will bring you into a land flowing with milk and honey. I will bring you into a place where my blessing is for you. That is my promise to you. But God's people forget. Again and again, they forget. They want to go back to Egypt, and they lose faith, and they grumble. 
And that grumbling is recorded in Scripture, too. As a matter of fact, even Moses himself struggled with believing this promise and following all the way through. I want you to listen to this story from Numbers chapter 20. If you want to turn there in your own Bibles at home, or if you brought your Bible with you, or if you have one on your phone, you're welcome to pull that out. The Numbers chapter 20, I'm going to begin reading at verse 1. In the first month, the whole Israelite community arrived at the desert of Zin, and they stayed at Kadesh. There Miriam died and was buried. Now there was no water for the community, and the people gathered in opposition to Moses and Aaron. They quarreled with Moses and said, If only we had died when our brothers fell dead before the Lord. Why did you bring the Lord's community into this wilderness that we and our livestock should die here? Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to this terrible place? It has no grain or figs, grapevines or pomegranates, and there is no water to drink. Moses and Aaron went from the assembly to the entrance to the tent of meeting and fell face down, and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. The Lord said to Moses, Take the staff And you and your brother Aaron, gather the assembly together. Speak to that rock before their eyes, and it will pour out its water. You will bring water out of the rock for the community, so they and their livestock can drink. So Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence, just as he commanded him. He and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock, And Moses said to them, listen, you rebels. Must we bring you water out of this rock? Then Moses raised his arm and struck the rock twice with his staff. Water gushed out. And the community and their livestock drank. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not trust in me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land I give them. What a story. (laughs) Moses himself is the one who is called to operate as the deliverer, the one who speaks for God, who gives God's law and commands to God's people, the one who leads and guides them throughout the wilderness, he himself gets frustrated as God's people grumble and complain. Why did you drag us out of Egypt? At least there we had water. At least there we had food. You promised us something better than that. And here we are, stuck out here in the wilderness with nothing to eat, nothing to drink. People forget God's promises when times get difficult. We lose faith and we walk in pain and we want to go back to Egypt. We want to go back to the place where we remember things being better. We want to go back to those things that 
that offer us comfort, even though those places can be places of bondage and enslavement for us. Places of pain. Places like addiction. Places like seeking after monetary gain. Places like entertainment or escapism or go right down the list. People are drawn back to those things that offered them comfort in their pain. And they forget about the promises of God. We forget just like God's people forgot. And then we try to make it happen for ourselves. Just like Moses. And when we find ourselves stuck there, we feel guilty. Time and time and again, going back to those same places of addiction, those same places of of materialism, those places of escapism, those places of endless entertainment or hours and hours spent on the internet, whatever those places are that we go back to, we get stuck there and then we realize God has something better for us. And we try to get ourselves out of it. But here's the thing, friends. <laughs> Trying harder will never get you to God's promises. Trying harder will never get you out of bondage. It will never set you free. But we tell ourselves that. When we fail and we try to hide and conceal our own addictions, our own places of brokenness, when we run back to those things that enslave us for that momentary comfort... When we're done, we go, oh man, if I just try harder, if I was just a better person, if I was just a better Christian, I wouldn't struggle with this because clearly nobody else struggles with this. It's not true. People around you in your home today, people around you in the service today, friends, we all know that there are things that every one of us struggles with. Maybe it's addiction to alcohol or illegal drugs. Maybe it's addiction to the comfort and pain relief that we feel from that. Maybe it's addiction to pornography or some other illicit form of pleasure. Maybe it's slavery to material things, hoping that somehow those things will fill us in. And it just leaves us bound and covered in guilt and shame. And we struggle to get out of it ourselves. Sin keeps us bound in Egypt. And the law can't set us free. Now, what do I mean when I say the law can't set us free? Moses, the greatest of the prophets. Moses, the one who speaks for God. Moses, the one who brings God's commandments 
to his people to, to help them live a good life who shepherds them and leads them and tends to them, who brings them out of bondage in Egypt and brings them out into the wilderness. Moses himself, the keeper of the law, the emblem of the law, the picture of try harder, doesn't make it to the promised land. Because trying harder will never get you to God's promises. It doesn't work that way. Only Jesus can bring you into God's promises. Jesus and Jesus alone. And it's not about trying to figure it out for yourself. It's about trusting in the one who promises to lead you through. It's not do-goodism. We are Christians because we follow Jesus, not because we're better than anybody else. And certainly not because we think we can do it for ourselves. If you've heard that message or or you believe that message, I I ask you today, friends, hear the good news of Jesus because Jesus has something else to say. For God so loved that he came to set us free by sending his own son, Jesus Christ, into the world to be the perfect sacrifice for us, to be the rock, the rock that took the blows for us and for our sake, who endured everything, who took all the pain, all the discomfort, all of the anguish and addiction and everything else that we have, he took it on himself for our sake, to extend to us God's promise. As it says in Acts 13, verses 38 through 39, Therefore, my friends, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is set free from every sin, a justification you were not able to obtain under the law of Moses. That's the truth. That's the real gospel. That's God's offer to us through Jesus himself. Forgiveness. Freedom. Freedom from that which binds us. As Galatians 5.1 says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. That yoke of slavery is do-goodism, try-harderism. And it never, ever, ever works. So let's stop. Let's stop trying to fix ourselves. Let's stop trying to free ourselves and instead go to the one who offers freedom. Let me ask you a question today. What is your Egypt? What is your Egypt? Where is that place that you are stuck? Where is that place that when the pain and the difficulties of life come, you go back to again and again and again? What is it for you?
I believe today in this place, by God's mercy and his grace, we can cry out to him. We can ask him to set us free. And I trust that God who hears our prayers will answer us in his time. He can take us one step closer if we trust in his promises. And when we fall back, we go back to those promises again. You say, Jesus, set me free. What is your Egypt? Today could be the day that you could be free from that. Today could be the day where you bring that burden before the Lord, trusting that he's not here to throw you back into Egypt. That he's not here to curse you and leave you in the wilderness. But instead, he's here to offer you the promise, to offer you himself, to take you by the hand and bring you in to his holiness, to bring you into his goodness, to bring you into his forgiveness, to bring you into his life. That could be for you today. What is your Egypt? And what is the Egypt for somebody you love? We all have our Egypts, but we, we know those who are in our families those who are in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, wherever they might be, people we love who are stuck in their own Egypts. Can we cry out to God for them today? Can we ask Jesus to deliver them? Can we speak to those addictions, those bondages, those places where God called Moses to speak to Pharaoh and say, let my people Go. Can we believe that today? Do we believe that today? Can we take a step of faith and trust that we can cry out to God and say, God, let that person go. Bring them into your freedom, Jesus. Rescue them. Can we speak to those powers and principalities, those, those things, those spiritual realities that bind people into earthly destruction. Can we believe and trust that we can speak to those things by faith in Jesus and say that addiction has to go? It has to leave that person alone. Can we trust that for our kids? Can we trust it for a brother or sister or a parent? I want to ask us to do that today. I want us to take some time right now and pray together and trust in God's promise to bring freedom to us, whatever your Egypt is and whatever Egypt you know somebody else is stuck in. We're going to pray and believe and trust that God can set us free and bring us into his promises. Would you pray with me today? Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, we trust in you because we can put our trust no place else. We know that the ultimate freedom for this life and on into eternity is found only in your Son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, while we are grateful for for treatment programs and, and for all the different means by which you help your people, Lord, we are grateful for them. But we know that undergirding all of that, Lord, is the spiritual bondages, the spiritual enslavement that we have offered ourselves up to, the places that we have gone back to again and again and again. So Lord, by faith and trust in you and in your son Jesus Christ, we say come and rescue us. Break those chains of bondage Break that yoke of slavery and bring us into freedom, Jesus. We confess, Lord, that we have tried to do it ourselves way too long. We've tried to fight this fight on our own. We've believed the lie that we can just do it ourselves. Sometimes, Lord, we've even proclaimed to each other, spoken to each other in your name that people should just try harder. Lord, forgive us. Forgive us, Lord, for ever dumping another burden on another person. Instead, Lord, give us faith today. Holy Spirit, come and fill your people with faith today. Break those yokes of bondage today, Jesus. And now, Lord, we pray for those who we know. We pray for that son or daughter who is trapped in addiction. We pray for that that alcoholic dad. We pray, Lord, for that heroin-addicted nephew. We pray today, Lord, not giving up, but giving over to you their future. And we trust and hope in you, Lord. And Jesus, by your name, we speak to those addictions. We speak to those places of spiritual bondage. And we say, go! Let them Go in Jesus' name. Jesus, come and meet them there. Come and meet them there, Lord. Meet them with open arms, Lord Jesus. Not with a place of shame that hides or guilt that tears apart but with conviction that comes from your Holy Spirit showing that there is a promise for them, a promise of a whole new life that begins now and carries on into eternity. And Lord, I pray for that person who is saying, Pastor, I've heard this before. 
I've heard this a dozen times before. And I've gotten free for a while, but then I've gone right back to it again. And I feel like there's no hope for me. Yes, there is. Yes, there is. As long as you are drawing breath on this earth, God has hope for you. There is hope for you, friend. There's hope for you afresh and anew again today. This new day, a new day for God's new mercies, for his new freedom, for his new love, to capture you and take you out of that spiritual Egypt that you have been stuck in. We are praying that for you today as we pray and ask Jesus ourselves for our own places of freedom from bondage. Lord Jesus, would you hear your church? Now take a minute right where you are and speak quietly to yourself or speak it in your own mind. Speak of that bondage that you need freedom from and then speak to God about that person who you know who is also trapped and needs freedom. Speak to God and ask for his deliverance today. Let's just do that right now. Just a moment, silently, right where you are. Oh, Father, you have heard every one of those confessions. You have heard every name that has been brought before you, and none of them escapes your notice, Lord, and none of them is outside of your grace. So Jesus, come, fill our hearts with your spirit. Fill us with your love. Fill us with healing for those places that are broken. Guide us out of our own personal Egypts. Bring us into your promise and bring those who we love into that promise today too. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We trust you. We trust you. We trust you. Thank you, Jesus. It's in your mighty name, Jesus, that we lift and pray all of these things before you. And all God's people said, amen.